NBA on NBC. What is up, everybody? This is Jim Mylock, and you're listening to Pot of Fame, the podcast where we break down the careers of former athletes and decide whether or not they should get a call to the hall. On today's podcast, we're talking about former Boston Red Sox right fielder Dwight Evans and whether or not he should be in the Baseball Hall of Fame. And joining us in just a moment to discuss Evans' career and Hall of Fame candidacy is Red Sox beat writer for MLB.com, Ian Brown. Before we bring Ian on, let's talk a little more about Evans. So Evans played from 1972 to 1991 and played all of those seasons in Boston, besides his last one where he was in Baltimore. And over his career, he was an eight-time gold glover, one of the best right fielders defensively we've ever seen, was also a three-time all-star and two-time silver slugger. Now for his career, he put up a 67.2 career war which is good for 88th all-time among position players. He also managed to rack up 2,446 hits, 385 home runs, 1,384 RBIs, and 1,391 walks. That seems like a lot of walks. It is. That's 29th all-time in MLB history. Also, 941 extra base hits, which is good for 55th all-time in MLB history. His career slash line was 272, 370, 470, with a 127 OPS plus. And as I said earlier, really great in right field, 155 right field assists, 16th all time. So outfield assists playing right field, 155, 16th all time. He also led the AO in walks three times, outfield assists from a right fielder three times, and actually led the league in home runs in the, the strike short in season 1981, which is kind of surprising, I think, when a lot of people think of Dewey, but he did have power in the back half of his career. So Evans is someone who honestly, I thought was going to be more in the news right now. Uh, He of course is, is no longer on the regular ballot. He actually fell off his third year on the ballot with just 3.6% of the votes in 1999. And now it's up to the contemporary error committee to vote Dewey in Dwight Evans in the contemporary error committee meets this year and recently they selected the eight person ballot for that committee and Dwight Evans was not on that ballot and my set I I really thought he was going to be on which is why I scheduled this show I want to talk about him but he did not make the ballot and again the ballot's stacked I mean you look at the ballot I don't I'm not mad about anyone they put on there but I am shocked he didn't make it um, because he has been in the discussion by the senior committees for a very long time um, as someone who, you know, should be strongly considered, and he didn't even make the ballot this year, which is not a great sign. So um, the earliest Dwight Evans will be able to be elected now is at least the class of 2026. That's the next time this contemporary air ballot or committee will meet. So class of 2026 will be the earliest class Dwight Evans can be a part of. Um, so he will not be a part of this year's ballot. So it's all important to know. Uh, however, Oh, we have a great show for you today. Ian was a great person to have on um, and really enjoy diving deep into Dwight Evans' career. So with the quick facts out of the way, let's bring on Ian. All right. So joining me today is Red Sox beat writer for MLB.com, Ian Brown. Ian, how are you doing today? I'm great. How about, how about you? 
I am doing well. So, Ian, today we are talking about the career and Hall of Fame candidacy of former Red Sox Dwight Evans, who, of course, career spanned from 1972, 1972 to 1991, played every season with Boston except his finale in 1991 with Baltimore, which I'm not going to lie to you, Ian, I did not realize until I had to go on reference and see that, but he played 101 games with Baltimore, but mainly he was in Fenway's entire career. Um, he was someone who came on the ballot back in 1997, but he fell off after just three years on the ballot in 99, getting only 3.6% of the vote. Um, as advanced metrics have become more and more prevalent, I feel like Dwight Evans has got a lot of buzz around, you know, should this guy be in the hall of fame as we were just discussing before Ian, uh, Committees for, you know, the senior committees, they have reorganized um, the contemporary air ballot, which is the committee that Dwight would be eligible for. Now it's people that mainly contributed after 1980. Um, There's an eight person ballot that was let out last week. Dwight surprisingly was not on that ballot. Um, so he will now have to wait at least to be a part of the 2026 class if he were to make that ballot. So he's a few years away now from being discussed again. It was a bit of a surprise to a lot of us, um, but that does not mean we're not going to talk about his case today and whether or not he should be in the hall. And Ian, my first question for you is when someone brings up the name Dwight Evans, whether it be at a bar or in the workplace, what's the first thing that's coming to your mind? Yeah, the first thing that comes to mind is just what a cannon arm he had uh, in right field. I mean, this guy... Uh, could throw from the warning track, uh, throw it on the fly to to third base uh, without bouncing. I mean, he just had such a great arm. So I think about that and just the kind of grace and style he played with. He just uh, he just looked like he belonged on a ball field. Um, it just uh, he he just played the game with such uh, elegance and and style and just had that sweet. Uh, uh, he, when he would hit a home run, he would just absolutely crush it. And then he would just kind of run around the bases. Like he knew kind of, uh, how good he was. So, uh, that, that's kind of the, the things I remember about him. Yeah. And, and again, the, the cannon arm, the howitzer arm, 155 assists from right field. That's good for 16th all time. And of course that contributed, uh, to him winning eight gold gloves. Uh, you know, Ian, how old are you? Sorry to throw that out there. How old are you? Oh, that's how, long all right. follow- I how long have you been following the game? I guess. Yeah, uh, well, I'm 50 years old, and I've been following the game since 1980. Okay. Um, so, uh, yeah, I've been watching the game for over, you know, 42, uh, going on 42, 43 years now. So the reason I ask you that, I'm sorry to throw you on the spot, but it's more around, you talk about his arm. And yeah. I was a little too young to see Dwight Evans live. So I, I've seen the highlights, I've read about him, all of that. But in terms of like the top arms I've ever seen in my life, I was born 89. It's really Ichiro, his arm is up there for me. And Larry Walker's arm is up there for me personally. I never saw Dave Parker, Evans, people like that. In your lifetime, where does Evans rank in terms of arm strength or just, you know, ability to throw runners out from the outfield? Where does he rank for you all time for what you have seen with your own eyes? Yeah, he ranks right at the top, you know, like like a couple of the guys you mentioned, Ichiro, um, you know, he, he was definitely up there. Uh, Mookie Betts obviously mm-hmm. had, had a great arm in right field. So if the guys I've seen with the Red Sox, definitely Evans and uh, and Mookie Betts were uh, far and away the two best with the two. They could just do things with their arms that were uh, truly special. 
Um, you know, Vladimir Guerrero had a pretty good arm too. I so was going to say, uh, I forgot Vlad. I forgot Raul yeah. Mondesi too at a cannon out there. Yeah, he did. Mondesi kind of forget about him because he wasn't the player he should have been. And he was kind of had some off the field uh, issues, I think, but yeah, you know, Dwight, Dwight's right up there. I can't say that I see many guys who are like that. That guy has a better arm than, than Dwight Evans. He just, uh, uh absolute, uh, brilliant <laughs> cannon arm. That was uh, so much fun to watch because guys, uh, didn't if they were smart they didn't run on them yeah so moving on we call this segment ian that memorable moment and you can be pretty liberal here um it's really if you look at dwight evans career you can pick out a single play a game a playoff series even an entire season if you really wanted to for you what would you say dwight evans most memorable moment was I think the catch in the, you know, I was too young to watch this live, but the catch in game six of the 75 World Series when he robbed uh, Joe Morgan of what would have been, a, um, you know, a go-ahead home run and one, probably one of the most famous games in baseball history. You know, if, if Evans doesn't make that catch, we're not hearing about um, Bernie Carbo and we're not hearing about Carlton Fisk's home run. They, they probably lose that game in six games and it proves to be, uh, it ends up being an iconic game of all time. So that to me, was, you know, if you want to look at Dwight Evans and what he could do on a baseball field, I mean, how did he make that catch? I mean, you go back and watch that play a million times over, the angle that ball was over his head, you're like, how did he, he sort of had to contort his whole body um, to make that catch um, the way he did. So it was just an unbelievable play. Uh, it was a championship play, although they they lost the World Series in, in game seven. But uh, to me, that's, that's the one that... Uh, you know, that's always going to be first on his, uh, you know, on his career highlight film. Yeah. And I, another, and again, Boston Red Sox now have had their share of world series. So I don't even feel bad bringing this up, but I also outside of the 75 series, the 86 series, which again is the infamous one. I feel like that you're going to see forever. You know, he had, I feel like it gets lost in, in just history because of how, that all ended up the, the Buckner play, of course. And then I feel like everyone forgets there's a game seven that happened after the game six. And, you know, in that game seven, he has a double a home run. He drives in three runs. He has an outfield assist, but Boston loses, you know, five, eight, and of course lose the series for that series itself. I mean, two homers, nine RBIs, three Oh eight batting average, of course, walked a lot. Cause it's Evans. But, you know, if, if they win that series, he might be MVP of that series. That might change, one, how we talk about Evans, but two, he could be in the Hall of Fame already. I mean, do you think his, you know, not having a World Series in Boston or anything like that, does that, do you think that hurts how he was talked about or how he's remembered? Because if, yeah. again, if you're an MVP of a, an 86 World Series Boston team, does that put you higher up in people's thoughts outside of Boston? Yeah, no, I do agree with you that he did have a very underrated World Series in 86. And uh, I remember he had the home run off Doc Gooden in game two. And then uh, in game seven, he um, it was uh, when they were coming off just that terrible loss in game seven or in game six. Uh, Dwight Evans and Rich Gedman hit back-to-back homers, I think, in the second inning of, of game seven to really give the Red Sox some momentum. So that right there showed that, he, you know, if the team was deflated by game six, uh, Evans wasn't. He 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 brought it. Uh, you know, he he gave everything he had. And then that double you you referenced, they had just gone from 
uh, winning three to nothing to down six to three. And Evans shoots this two run double in the gap that uh, makes it six to five. And I think there was uh, still nobody or one out with second and third. And he really put them in position to win that game. And I think that was uh, Sid Fernandez, who was, uh, did a great relief job for the Mets. So he, I think he struck out Don Baylor and he got a, another uh, key out of that. Inning. But Evans really put them in position to come back again. So that was just a, a sign of how, uh, how big he was playing in that game. But, you know, to answer, answer your question, they win that World Series. He wins MVP. I don't know, because like... You know, Keith Hernandez still isn't in the Hall of Fame, and he obviously played for, you know, was big for two World Series teams. So I'm not sure how much that would have factored. Might have, might have helped him a little. Um, but uh, yeah, I think what's what's helped him the most is just like his numbers are just playing better now than they did when he was actually playing. People didn't realize the value of of what he was doing um, while he was doing it. Yeah, and, and I want to I want to get to all of that in court, but before we get to court, there's one more segment I want to do here, and we call this "And Twins." Ah, no, quarterbacks eating dirt, pom poms and short skirts, fans who won't quit, and those twins. And Ian, what we do here is we look at Cooperstown today. We look at all the plaques in there, and there's never a perfect twin, but we say, you know, whether it be the style of play or their statistics, or maybe a little mix of both. If you were to say, you know, this person was very similar to Dwight Evans, who would you say his twin in the Hall of Fame was? Yeah, this is going to surprise a lot of people because this guy is kind of um, revered and just kind of looked like as a as a no-doubt Hall of Famer. And then you look at Dwight Evans' numbers, and they're pretty similar. And the guy I'm talking about played in Detroit for a long time, and he played right field, and his name was Al Kaline. Yep. Who had a very similar profile as Dewey um, as a player. And I, you know, I just looked up some numbers and K-Line had 399 home runs in his career um, and Evans hit 385. Now K-Line's 399 were at 11,597 at bats. Um, Evans had 8,996 at bats. So they basically had the same amount of home runs with um, K-Line getting um, two, uh, 2,500 or so more at bats. And then you look at the OPS, um, K line was 855, Evans was 840. Um, so they're right there. You look at the gold gloves, K line was 10, Evans was eight, K line obviously having a longer career. So yeah, Dwight Evans, uh, he had a, he had a much lower batting average than K. I think Evans finished at something like 272. Two, um, and his career in K line was was right around uh, was close to three hundred, um, so that was the one um, differentiator. And I think that we all know that's because Dwight uh, struggled a little bit offensively the first part of his career. But yeah, that, I was when I looked this up, I was surprised. Like, you know, K line, you know, K line has some of the big counting numbers with the three thousand hits, and the he actually finished one homer below four hundred. Um, but uh, you know. Dwight, uh, aside from the longevity, I think they're they're pretty similar players. I think they were both great defenders uh, in right field. So that to me was a bit, was very telling about how good Dwight Evans was when I stacked him up with with the great Al K line. Yeah, I know. I, you know, I have K line's name down here too, and I did feel not silly putting it down, but yeah, you think of K line as an an all timer, um, unquestionably. And again, you're right. The three thousand hits automatically gets him in. Um, but the power numbers, I was surprised how similar they were. And then, yeah, if you go up the slash line, um, you talked about K-Line, I think, had eight, what, uh, over a 1,000 less at-bats. And I think K, I think um, 
I think Evans still had more walks than him, even though he played less games. So yeah, yeah. Um, it really goes to show another person I had down who's a little more, you know, recent. So people listening might've seen him is Larry Walker. Um, I, I think very similar guys, both have cannons out in right field. Um, their power numbers too, even though Larry's in Colorado, Evans has two more home runs than him. And he drove in about 70 more runs. Um, you know, Larry batted, of course, better uh, average, but, and again, they're slugging and on base are a little higher, but again, that's Colorado a bit. And Larry was just an excellent hitter, but another guy who I think is very similar. And then also, and this is something I want to ask you about too, you know, with, with Larry, he played in that great, uh, I was thinking like the best outfields of all time. And Larry played in Montreal in 94 and it was him, Alou and Marquise Grissom. Yeah. Your guy here, Dwight Evans, or, or the guy we're talking about today, you know, there was a, an outfield with him, uh, Jim Rice, and, and Freddie Lynn. And, and I got, got to ask you, um, I think that's one of the best outfield assemble of all time. But when you look at that outfield, it, it's Fred, it's Jim, and it's Dwight. We know Jim's in the Hall of Fame today. We know Fred's not. This might be a tough question for you as, as someone who, have, of course, covers Boston, but also, I, I believe, grew up as a Boston Red Sox fan. Yeah. How do you rank those guys, top to bottom, out of Dwight, Jim, and Freddie? Uh, you know, as far as who was the best player? Yeah. I would, yeah, I mean, I would say Rice uh, was the best, uh, most impactful player just because he was um, – you know, his offensive numbers were just – there was a time where he was the most feared hitter in the game. But, you know, defensively, he doesn't really compare to Dwight, so it's hard to um, – and Dwight was a – it's really kind of hard to compare because Dwight was a better on-base guy. I will say at their peaks, um, Fred Lynn was probably the best player of all three. Uh, but he didn't have as, as long a shelf life. He left Boston. He had injuries, um, kind of like a, a Nomar Garcia paratype with when he was in Boston. He was unbelievable, and he was just – so much fun to watch, but um, Evans is right there. He's right there with, with, with Rice. I mean, there's not, there was always a, I think when, when Rice got in, there were some people thinking, oh, maybe um, Evans was, was more deserving. Uh, to me, I was a little torn, but I would give Rice a slight edge just because there was a time, like I said, he was the most feared hitter um, in the American league. Nobody wanted to, to face him. Uh, he was just, you know, from about uh, 1975 through about, um, Really, uh, through about 79, those five years, I think he was the most feared hitter in the game. But he, Rice was really effective, dominant offensive player right up to uh, 1986. And then his career kind of uh, petered out after that. But he, he was a little bit of a different player than, than Dwight. He was more a raw power, uh, just great hitter. Um, like Dwight was very durable. That's the thing about both these guys. He, he, it took a lot to get either one of these guys off the field. They, they played 150, 160 games uh, in their careers uh, like it was nothing. They just both were very tough-minded, very, very durable players, um, but just kind of different styles um, offensively where Dwight was more of the new age, uh, modern offensive uh, player, and Jim was more of the old school, um, just a pure uh, masher, but who could also hit singles and uh, hit hit to all fields too. So uh, love them both really. Um so you could rank Rice and Rice and Evans as one and one A, however you want to do it. Maybe say Dwight was a better all-around player than Jim. Uh, Jim was a better hitter of the two. Um, 
and then you put Lynn third just because he didn't have the same, uh, you know, he didn't have the same shelf life as the other two guys. No, I think that's fair. I think that's how a lot of people would have it. And also that's kind of how the Hall of Fame looks at it, at least at this moment with Jim in the Hall of Fame and, and Evans and, and Freddie on the outside. Uh, Ian, I do want to go to our, our, our final segment here. We call this court. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. And it's like we've been kind of doing a little bit right so far. We're talking about kind of pros and cons of, of Dwight and, you know, whether or not he should be in the Hall of Fame. And the first thing I want to start at is something you you mentioned just a bit ago about, you know, the way we look at players today. We weren't quite looking at him back when Dwight was playing. We maybe appreciate him a little more. And the first thing I want to go to when it's talking about his candidacy, like one of the first bullet points would probably be, if you're someone who believes in sabermetrics, you know, Dwight Evans has an excellent case. Um, you know, his war and his jaws numbers are right in line with the average right fielder in the Hall of Fame. And actually, at this moment, he has the second highest war of someone who's not in the Hall of Fame today that's eligible, that's an outfielder, if you don't throw in, like, the P- people tied to PDs like Barry right. and them. It's, it's Kenny yeah. Lofton, and then it's Dwight Evans. Ian, for you... Because you've grown up in a time when this stuff, no one knew the hell you'd be talking about if you brought up war um, yeah. to, to today where it's a, a lot of younger pl- people. That's all they care about. They don't care about anything but war. Where's your stance on it? How much should this matter? How much does that really tell the whole story of, of how great a player was or, or how, you know, how someone fits on a team? Yeah, I believe in this stuff. I think that, um, that, we can look at Dwight Evans' career now and have a clearer picture than we did when he was playing because the game is evaluated in such a, a much more uh, sophisticated way now, and we didn't have that uh, we didn't have that advantage back then. So now we're re- we're really seeing what his value was. Um, and I remember uh, Bill James was way ahead on Dwight Evans because I was reading his uh, baseball abstracts uh, throughout the 1980s and and. You know, Bill James had runs created back then and all this stuff. And, uh, you know, he was always high on, on Dwight Evans as, as as a top player and kind of not getting his just due. But, um, yeah, I think it absolutely should factor in. Um, I think that the two players I saw with the Red Sox that would have made a ton of money, uh, a ton more money had they played now um, than when they did were, and one of them's in the Hall of Fame, that's Wade Boggs. And the other is Dwight Evans, because you look at Wade Boggs' on-base percentages every year, and they're just uh, uh, absolutely ridiculous. And, um, you know, Wade wasn't a guy who made a ton of money compared to some of his uh, his teammates back then. And Dwight, uh, the same way with the, with the on-base and the run scored and the uh, extra bases and just the way he sort of um, reinvented himself as a hitter. And that's the one thing we haven't gotten to was really was that Dwight was sort of a pedestrian hitter. Um, from 73, which is his first season as an everyday player, till about the middle of the 1980 season. when he had a big breakthrough with hitting coach Walt Reniak. And he just kind of developed a new swing and a new approach. And he was a different, better. Uh, he became one of the best um, hitters in the 1980s uh, from that time, uh, from that adjustment he made. So just the adjustment he made from, he was always a great defender, but going from kind of just like, you know, sort of average, 
um, to slightly above average hitter to this guy who was just a, a force. So I think that um, absolutely you have to look at th- some of those things and look at the analytics because we understand the game. We can understand the game better now than we did then with uh, just the, the evolution of these stats. And I think we all know the analytics that are good and the ones that aren't as good. And, uh, you know, you look at some of these and it really tells you what kind of player Dwight was. Yeah, no, I'm I'm glad you brought up the fact that Dwight, from at least a hitting aspect, kind of was a, a late bloomer, right? I mean, throughout the yeah. 70s, never gets over 25 home runs. He maxes out at 24, um, but then he hits over 25 home runs five different years in the, in the 80s and leads the league in home runs, actually, in the strike-shortened season of 81, yeah. where some people I was looking back argued he maybe deserved the MVP award. Um, that year, if you can remember, Ian, that it was the sure. year Raleigh, Raleigh Fingers wins AL MVP. <laughs> um, Henderson finishes second, Dwight Evans third. If you look at Henderson and Evans' number, though, there's honestly a – I mean, I'm looking at it right – I didn't see, obviously, that season. I was not alive, but I look at least from a number standpoint, Raleigh Fingers, as great as the season he had, I don't think wins that MVP if, if we're playing in today's air no. at all. Um, Henderson and Evans though are neck and neck. And honestly, if I had to give an edge, I think I give it to Evans. I mean, he leads the league in home runs that year and walks and OPS, you know, Henderson has a, a great year for Henderson, but again, it's, it's stolen bases. It's walks as well, but across the board is slash line other than batting average, believe it or not is worse than Dwight Evans. And I, and with the defensive abilities of Dwight, I'm giving it to Evans. Yeah. I mean, back then just growing up and knowing how voters voted back in those days, the award winners were always on uh, playoff teams. Yep. Like I remember like Andre Dawson in 87 winning the MVP when his team finished last. That was like one of the first times growing up uh, for me as a kid that uh, an MVP winner came from like a bad team. And, uh, you know, I think that that had a big factor, but I remember that 81 season very clearly. Um, and Dwight just, it was kind of shocking because he had never been that kind of player and he had a good finish to the 80 season, but a lot of people sort of tuned out because the Red Sox sort of fell out of the race um, in the second half of 80. And then he was just a force that year from start to finish. And he all of a sudden he was this guy who was um, leading off all the time or he was batting second. He was all of a sudden uh, hitting at the top of the order and just had a, a fantastic year. So, yeah, I always thought that um, that year he very well um, could have been an MVP. And I think the Red Sox, uh, they missed the playoffs by a few games. They had that weird split season where they had standings for the first half and the second half. And if you could win the second half, you could make it into like a mini series play And the Red Sox. I think finished um, two and two, two or two and a half games out. And that was largely due to what, uh, what Evans did, but uh, yeah, no, for sure. He, uh, that 81 season, that was probably the, the best, uh, the best uh, all around season he ever had. Yeah, and, you know, you look at his career, too, and, <clears throat> again, when you're looking at a Hall of Fame candidacy, you, you look at, you know, when he led the league in something, how he was placing an MVP. You know, the highest he ever finished was third that year. He did another year in uh, 87 at the age of 35, actually. He was top four. The thing that's glaring, though, on Evans, you know, Hall of Fame kind of candidacy, because, again, the guy did everything pretty damn well. You know, he, he ended up hitting for power and drove in a bit of runs at the end of his career. He walked a ton. Um, he was an excellent right fielder, as we talked about at the beginning. One of the glaring things on here, though, is, you know, again, he the hardware-wise, he only made three all-star teams. And again, I, I have this discussion with anyone I have on here. Should all-star games matter a lot of the time? I don't think it should. 
But when I see someone as low as three all-star appearances, that does stand out a bit, especially when you're talking about other all-time greats. I mean, we were talking about Freddie Lynn and Jim Rice before, and I believe, I think Freddie might have had like, I think you Jim know, had eight, and I think Fred had nine or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, he had a yeah. bunch. Really popular guys. Um, Evans with three. Um, yeah. Doesn't mean everything, but it does mean something. Was this more of a, hey, we just didn't understand how valuable he was back then? Was it, there was just you know, a lot of great outfielders in the AL or is he just not a popular guy outside of Boston in terms of a, talking about the best players in the league? Yeah. I think it was a combination where he was, look, he was overshadowed by some of the guys he played with. I mean, he played with Carl Yastrzemski for yeah. a lot of his career. He played with, you know, Jim Rice, he played with, with Fred Lynn. So you have all these outfield, you know, then Wade Boggs comes in and then um, Roger Clemens comes in. So this guy played with a lot of uh, Carlton Fisk. He played with Carlton Fisk. So this guy played with a lot of great players uh, throughout his career. So I think that kind of hurt him at times when it came to um, to, to All-Star and things like that. Um, and also there were great outfielders at the time. You had Dave Winfield. You know, you had um, you had you know the guys in Toronto. They always had a great outfield with, with, with George Bell, who was a, a great player for a while. And there were just – I don't have the list at the top of my head, but there were a lot of really good outfielders – um, in the 1980s and Dwight for some reason uh he got he got lost in the shuffle there a little bit but I don't I don't think it, I mean you look at um I think Dustin Pedroia made the all-star team four times in his career and this <laughs> Jeff is ba- Jeff, ba- Jeff Bagwell made it four times yeah and Dustin Pedroia is one of the best players I've ever seen I mean uh you know when when he was healthy obviously he didn't stay uh, healthy for long enough but um yeah so I, I don't put too much stock in all-star team because that's a subjective thing um and popularity contest and the system for getting people in as reserves was even more archaic than it is uh now it's like back then it's just like i think the managers were picking uh most of the reserves so it was very word of mouth you didn't have the same information out there um as you had today so yeah i definitely don't put um i don't put too much stock in in the fact that he only played in the three all-star games yeah so so you were just kind of off the top of your head very well, kind of listing off some of the great outfielders of, you know, the contemporaries when he was playing. So I actually have a list here. Um, Cause I, I'm going to do something with you here and I'm going to put you on the spot a bit, but we're going to talk about the 1980s. Cause I think that was, I would say Evan's peak years. He had, again, he had some good years in the seventies, but he really came around as a hitter in the eighties and then fielding and hitting one of the best all around guys. I kind of want to build, they don't do this in major league baseball. They do this in, pro football an all decade team for the eighties and talking about outfield. And again, it's not right fielder, left field, center field, just three outfielders. Doesn't matter what position. If you were to build an all decade team, who would your three outfielders be? And I'm going to give you some names of the the best outfielders of the time. Okay. So of course, Ricky Henderson, we got Dale Murphy. We got Dwight Evans. We got Andre Dawson. We got Tim Raines. We got Daryl Strawberry who made eight all-star games in the eighties. I want to wow. call out yeah. uh, Dave Winfield and Kirby Puckett. So Ooh. if you had to pick again, those are some, I mean, we got a lot of hall of famers I just named off here. So yeah. if, if you had to just talk about the eighties, make an all decade outfield, who would your all decade outfield be? Yeah. See, uh, Rick, Ricky Henderson is, is definitely on there. A lock. Uh, yeah. I think that, um, you know, I think you got to put Dave Winfield on there. Also, he, he had a great, uh, he had a great decade and I'm trying to think who would, who would round up uh, Kirby. I mean, well, Kirby Puckett to me was more. Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess he was mostly in the eighties, right? 
but he kind of came yeah. in. He he started. He, he came, came in eighty four. Like, yeah, eighty four. Yeah. So I put I put Dwight ahead of uh, Kirby Puckett. Um, yeah, I mean Dale Murphy was was great. Uh, Tim Raines. God, it's hard, man. It's hard. Um, yeah, I don't know if Dwight quite makes the all decade um, outfield team. Um, I'd have to go back and really study that. But yeah, I know Rick. I know Ricky's got to be on that team though, and I think that. I think Dave Winfield has to be on that team too. Um, he was just a little bit more of a dominant um, offensive player um, than Dewey was and a comparable outfielder. Yeah. Um, no. and, and, and Tim Raines was pretty damn good. Um, Dale Murphy was pretty good. Man, it's it's great, good. It's, what a great time for What a great time for outfielders. Yeah. I mean, you got Dale Murphy, won two MVPs. You got Andre won an MVP. I mean, it's, it's tough. It's really, we were trying to do this the other day. It's tough to build three from those. Yeah, but I would definitely put him on the American League outfield. There you go. That's <laughs> fair. Um, so, in going to final verdict here, I'm going to ask you two questions, and then I'm yeah. going to answer them as well. The first question is, you know, do you think, would you vote for Dwight Evans into the Hall of Fame? I, I don't think he had a ballot back in 99 or 98, but if, if today, if he was on the ballot, would you vote for him? And then the second question for you is, do you think Dwight Evans will ever get into the Baseball Hall of Fame? Yeah, the first is I, I absolutely do think he belongs just because of all the things we've talked about today. I mean, he was just a, a premier defender, um, an offensive player who was a lot better than people thought. And then um, just some of the people have gotten in instead of him. It's just kind of like it makes it even more obvious that he he deserves to be in. I mean, the Harold Baines thing is what really um, boosted Dwight Evans' candidacy in a lot in a lot of people's eyes. It's just the fact that how the hell Harold Baines ever got into the Hall of Fame that Dwight Evans isn't in when there's no doubt to anyone who watched them both who was the, who was the better baseball player. So yeah, I think he belongs. And it's a confusing thing because the last time he was on this ballot, um, the the contemporary or whatever it's called, he got eight out of the eight of the votes. Yep, and he was he finished um second to um he was the the closest to getting in who didn't get in and then to not see him on this last ballot it was kind of surprising but i think that this ballot this year is confusing because all these all-time greats who were tainted by peds and then kurt Schilling's case tainted by controversy um all these guys came off the writer's ballot last year so it's like they had to have a litmus test for these guys this year on a different committee I think we make some kind of decision on these guys this year. And then um, in three years, maybe you go in a different direction. And then you have Dwight back on, on the ballot where he deserves. And then may, maybe he gets in. I, I think that um, eventually Dwight Evans will, will get into the Hall of Fame. Because I think, if anything, these numbers are just going to get uh, more into focus as people get more analytical. And they're going to say, oh, look at what this guy did. And I think at some point uh, he gets in and hopefully he's, uh, he's still at an age where he, you know, where he can enjoy it. Yeah. No, I um... – I agree with you on both counts. Uh, I, I think he's a Hall of Famer. I mean, we talked just about how great the 80s were just for outfielders. But if you look at the whole Major League Baseball in the 80s, Evans led everyone in extra base hits. Right. Uh, second, Ted, Ricky Henderson times on base. He led the American League in home runs, second in RBIs. And this is one of the most glaring things that came out. In the 80s, he had 900 RBIs and over 900 RBIs and over 900 walks. He was the first person to do that since Harm Kilbrew in the 60s. Like, some of the stuff he did offensively is kind of like all-time significance. And then he was an excellent right fielder. It's not like he was an average outfielder. Yeah. We're talking about one of the better outfielders in history, and he has the gold gloves to prove it. So the combination all-around play, I think he's a Hall of Famer. 
everything he did was mostly above average other than maybe the batting average. And then do I think he'll get in? I do. As you said, over time, people will get more and more locked into stuff like war and jaws and things like that. And he just grades out as a hall of famer in those metrics. So I'm a yes on both as well, Ian. So we don't have to argue here. We agree (laughs) with each other. Um, Ian, before I get you out of here, um, anything you want to plug uh, that you're working on or anything going on with, with Boston this offseason? Just going to be tracking all the uh, offseason news on, on MLB.com and um, check out my uh, my weekly newsletter that comes out every week. Um, we run an excerpt every Wednesday, and there's a sign-up uh, on the, on the uh, excerpt for, to sign up to get this newsletter every week. It's really chock full of Red Sox current events and nostalgia and I think uh, a lot of people would enjoy that. So I would say, uh, if I would say anything, it was just to sign up for this newsletter. It comes out once a week uh, during the season. Next season, it's actually going to come out twice a week during the season, and it still comes out um, every week in the off season. So we're kind of, kind of, and it'll come to you. You don't have to go looking for it. <laughs> well, make sure you go check that out. And Ian, before I get you out of here, real quick, Boston this off season, big, big moves, little moves. What are we doing? Uh, big moves. We got to make some big. They got to make some big moves to, this offseason to especially improve that pitching staff and hopefully uh, keep a couple of the familiar faces um, in the Red Sox uniform for a long time. So I think it's going to be a fascinating uh, offseason to recover from just what was a, a, a brutal, brutal season to watch uh, last year. All right, fascinating offseason coming up. You heard it from Ian. Ian, thanks a lot for coming on. Take care. All right, thank you. Good talking to you. All right, so that's about all we have for today. I want to thank Ian again for coming on the podcast, talk about Dwight Evans. Uh, Per usual here at the end, if you don't already, please subscribe to us, follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, leave us a review rating, follow us on Twitter at Pot of Fame, and we will talk to you next Monday. Have a great week.